Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Well, welcome to Cynic's Choice, the best of the radio programs that I've presented in the Los Angeles area now for the last seven years. I'm glad you can join us. I hope you'll enjoy this uh, recording of British comedy and music in which we're going to present uh, some of the most popular uh, pieces, some of the items most frequently requested on Cynic's Choice. I'm Brian Cluer, your host every Sunday for these radio programs, and I hope that now that you have a recording, that you can play it frequently every day of the week. So join us for Cynic's Choice. The year is approximately 1971. The album, the best of Cynic's Choice. The artist, Brian Kluwer, presenting a number of other artists. And my guest is Michael Kluwer. Thank you so much for uh, letting us come into the shop, the Continental oh, Shop here in Santa Monica. My pleasure. Um, so this is, a, this is a thing I know so little about. I'm, I'm here to explore. I love English comedy. This is a compilation of English comedy, English music. Your father had a show on local L.A. radio for 20-plus years. Is that right? Um, closer to about 40. No. Really? Until 2005, I think. Wow, okay. Wow. So, but was it the same kind of thing? Uh, he, it varied slightly over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was on one station down in, it was broadcast out of El Monte. Mm-hmm. It, uh, he had two shows. Mm-hmm. One was Cynic's Choice, okay. and then followed by From London with Music. Oh, all right, all right. Which basically, basically dealt with old, uh, the British big bands. Okay, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's wonderful. So, what was it like? Um, so, we, we talked. What was funny is we're emailing back and forth, and then I mm-hmm. realized you're his adopted son. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't change anything at all, but it does change, like, I guess a little bit in terms of like how long you knew him. Obviously, but yes. but um, what was what was the influence? What, what was what was the household like with this with this incredibly? I mean, he's an Englishman. I. It, it was very it was very useful. I mean, we got invited to all of the consulate parties. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, while uh, the conservatives were still in power mm-hmm, during mm-hmm. the Thatcher years. <laughs> right, right. John Major. And then we were sort of persona non grata with the uh, labor. Oh, okay, okay. When that, uh, <laughs> when that change came into effect. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> as were a lot of the old... Sure. The old guard who'd been in at all the parties, so we we got to meet Charles and Diana, Jeez. Uh, Edward and Sarah, Wow, uh, Prince and, and Andrew. We got got to meet most of them. Yeah, uh, I walk into Lowry's without a reservation and uh-huh. be seated right away. Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's crazy. It's quite useful. Did so, he did he uh so what what was his point what was his goal in doing in in doing Cynic's choice? I mean, 
radio is his true love. Mm-hmm. He started uh, during his stint in the army with uh, Radio Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. And then he was sent down to the Middle East mm-hmm. and broadcast in Jordan. Wow. Uh, Tel Aviv. and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> So got around uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after his uh, army years, he was in uh, advertising. Okay. He'd uh, gotten his degree at uh, the University of London. All right. And his first job was at Rank. Mm-hmm. And great memories of uh, the first day on the job, walking in the front door. As he was going in, behind him at the street was a limousine. And there, there was Gene Simmons being let out of her limousine. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's cra- the, that is crazy. The female Gene Simmons. The female version. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> wow. And it was quite amusing when we moved down to Santa Monica 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Is uh, at that point, Gene Simmons was living locally, mm-hmm. and she'd come in for her kippers and <laughs> steak and kidney pies and mm-hmm. things. And once again, he'd hold the door open for her. That <laughs> 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 uh, became a very dear friend over mm-hmm. the years. So was his when he when he started doing the show? Was it a matter of here's the stuff I really love? I just want you guys to hear it. Basically, it was always what was termed a vanity program. Mm-hmm. It was it never had full sponsorship except for the shop, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which <laughs> was himself anyway. Sure. So, sure. <laughs> uh, he uh, after he left London in uh, about fifty eight. Mm-hmm. And moved to Canada. Okay. Thought it would be better weather in Toronto, but <laughs> that didn't turn out to be as he'd <laughs> planned. Mm-hmm. So he moved down to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and stayed here. He came here in about 62, 63. Uh-huh. And he'd been doing a similar radio show up in uh, Toronto mm-hmm. for a few years. And... It just uh, went on from there. Yeah, he had the show. The owners of the of the Continental Shop were uh, also British, mm-hmm. and were advertising on his show. And then they retired, and just asked him if he wanted to buy the shop. Wow! So, <laughs> I think fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> I love it. As the Got out of advertising and kept working in the shop. And then uh, he also started the travel division of the shop, Uh which at one time had about 20 people working in it. Really? Wow. Acting as an active travel agency? Very active, yes. Wow. They would uh, deliver tickets to local customers mm-hmm. around the Ambassador Hotel. That's crazy. I guess for most, I should point out for anybody listening who's not in, in California or in Los Angeles specifically, pretty big English expat community in Santa Monica specifically, it's right? Huge. It, what's it's, what's it's, the reason for that other than the weather? <laughs> <laughs> was, after the war, it was uh, the, the brain drain mm-hmm. on Britain with mm-hmm. the aerospace industry. Yeah. So... Tens of thousands of Brits who were making planes during the war didn't have any jobs mm-hmm. after the war. And uh, at that point, Boeing, McDonnell Douglas, Hughes, 
all the all the big uh, aircraft companies along the coast were hiring. Yeah, that's crazy. And so they all settled in Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. So it's so there, and I, I am surprised though because I frequent these kinds of shops that I had never been to this one. Like, maybe, <laughs> could, maybe just because it's not off a of Third Street or something, and I just for whatever reason missed it. But it's it's first of all big shop. Yeah. You've got more variety than a lot of places. Um, I, I love that it's been here for a while too. Like I just love that it's like you know we're lived in. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, do you? So have you? Uh, I mean, I sent you the MP3 of this, but have you mm-hmm. heard? The, have you heard this yeah. through? Yeah. yeah. No, I have. Uh, gave me a copy of it back in '81 mm-hmm. when we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, Played it many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, it's very interesting because uh, mm-hmm. I think my my expectation again, based on the cover, this is actually the now this art I couldn't find the artist, but this art is on the website too, right? This yes. this, this this gentleman, this, mm-hmm. this very English gentleman with this uh, with a hot foot. Um, it's a mix of, of of comedy and of course of music of English yes. music. Um, so Ex- except for the opening and closing credits, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, him, him doing the, his the Mozart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, which is great. I actually like. W- w- the interesting thing is too, if you listen towards the end, the very end, he's, he said, you know, he'd like it to be a series, and that would have been fantastic. Mm. Uh, we were talking about. Uh, th- there's some like okay, so there's a Benny Hill sketch on here. There's not a lot of comedy for the the, the folks that are listening in for that. I will play clips from it, but. We have talked about Hoffnung before on the show, like the, the album that the Bricklayer story comes from. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple other bits, including uh, a Benny Hill sketch. Which is, see, seems he liked the body stuff. Like some of these are a little more over the top, and I love that. They were, yes. <laughs> I mean, he, he was playing the goon shows oh, that's great. with Peter Sellers, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Seacombe, Spike Milligan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they'd been broadcast here. In the fifties, yeah, but a lot of people had not heard them, right? Uh, he introduced them to the Los Angeles audience, sure. And with the shop, he was importing uh, all the BBC LPs. Oh, that's so, so good. You basically could go into the Continental Shop and see more BBC LPs than you would find in a BBC shop <laughs> in London. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, let's go back to uh, medieval days. Uh, we're back in a castle at the end of the Crusades. And not too successful an end, uh, for the lord of the castle has come back, complete with suit of armor, to find his wife waiting for him somewhat anxiously. Try and hold still, darling, there's a dear, otherwise we'll never get the damn thing off. Thank God, that's probably the locksmith now. I'll go, darling. You'll sit down and rest for a moment. Good morning, Squire. You sent for me? Yes, thank goodness you've come. Um, you are the locksmith. That's right, Squire. Chudley's cast on chastity belts at your service. <laughs> yes, well, uh, come in, come in. Incidentally, if you don't mind me saying so, Squire, I like that armour you're wearing, mate. Lovely splash of colour that red cross makes on the breastplate. <laughs> You've been out fighting them even wogs, haven't you? <laughs> yes, but I didn't ask you around to talk about the war. You see, it's uh, it's my wife. She is well... She's, yes, um... say no more, Chief. I know what's happened. You've got to lose the key, haven't you? Well, 
Yes, as a matter of fact, I have, yes. Yeah, don't worry, you're not the only one, Squire. We've been getting called out night and day since you blokes started coming back, I'll tell you. Yes, well, um, I called you because I thought we might have a spare. Yeah, look, sir, if we went around making spare keys, it would defeat the whole purpose of the exercise now, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> You're really honest now. Yes, I... Come on, Strat, I'll be honest now, come on. I suppose it would, yes. Now, yes. before I touch anything, Squire, just one point. Can you prove you're the lady's husband? Of course I can prove it, oh, yes. All right, all right, just checking, Squire. Only some people will try anything, especially women. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, where's the good lady? Um, through here. All right. Um, darling, it's the man from the... Hey, <laughs> caught in the act, eh? Having a go yourself there, eh, love? <laughs> the majority of the videotape stock that we still have mm -hmm. has not been released on DVD. That's crazy. So it still retains its value. Yeah, of course. For okay. people who have the equipment. Mm hmm Or if it has been released on DVD for some people who just like to watch 30 minutes of it at night. Mm hmm, mm -hmm. And then hit stop. Mm hmm <laughs> And still have it in the same place rather than having to right. skip forward on their DVD player. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, it really served the community like that. Did mm -hmm. was that? Do you think his radio show was for that as well? Just serve the English it, folks. It was. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, it was his first love, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. more than his wives. I think sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> he had a he had a personal record collection of, I have to say, over twenty five hundred albums. Oh my. Uh, they ranged the gamut from strict tempo dance music, mm -hmm. uh, the latest West End shows, and comedy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of very rare LPs oh in that my. collection. What happened to them? Uh, they're sitting they're in sitting boxes. Somewhere. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> oh, you, obviously you probably saw the hairs go back on the back of my neck. Oh, my Christmas. That's amazing. <laughs> that's that's got to be a fantastic collection. It certainly takes up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, I don't doubt it. I don't. It's just finding the time to sit down, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> organize it once again, and uh -huh. catalog it is uh, difficult. Yeah. It, so this is like uh, this is like the love of an obsessive. Uh, like it sounds like he's very, a bit of an obsessive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, I mean, having been in at rank and other things that he'd done. In London, he personally knew quite a few of the people involved in the uh, broadcasts. Okay, sure. He, he knew a lot of the comedians back in the 60s and 70s. That's great. And 50s. I, I remember uh, uh, I, one time I went to a uh, one of the Academy events, and Anna Lee was... The actress was sort of struggling to get up the stairs. Uh-huh. And <laughs> Brian just went over to her. And she recognized him, and they just went up the stairs together. Yeah. <laughs> Brian under one arm and <laughs> <laughs> helping so her up. Yeah. And uh, that's how Gracie Fields and her husband. Mm-hmm. Came to the shop to visit him. Mm -hmm. uh, they were staying at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel uh -huh. in Beverly Hills, and the shop at that time was at uh, the Ambassador Hotel. Okay, okay. 
Gracie and her husband, who were about 80 at the time, mm -hmm. walked all the way from Beverly Hills <laughs> down Wilshire in the summer oh, no. to the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> wow. And then walked back. Well, that's... Uh... Yes. <laughs> they... Uh, they wouldn't take a taxi. <laughs> That's so funny. That is. A, did he? I, I'm so. Uh, I I know. Uh, you you did say earlier that you know, that some of the um that he would sell the records out of the shop, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and he sold obviously sold BBC records too. So mm -hmm. was it like? Was it a matter? Did did he have like the English stuff cornered for a bit? Were there any other shops? Because I've never seen that kind of stuff in the other shops. Uh, we were we were the only ones with the records. Okay, okay. And then when videotape first came out, he was bringing them in from the UK. Yeah. And we were the first with the video, and wow. only with videotapes. Mm -hmm. uh, the other shops in town. The first was uh, Tudor House, mm -hmm. which closed about four years ago. Yeah. They were they were started down here in Santa Monica. Their specialty was their tea room uh -huh, and right. a small grocery. Right. And then the King's Head, yeah. which is attached to the pub. Yes. So right. Their, their specialty was finer giftware. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So <laughs> right, right, right. We each we each had our grocery, and then a specialty. And one specialty. That's, yes. Oh, that's so good. it uh, kept kept relations fairly friendly. Sure. No, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, do you know why he called the show Cynic's Choice? I do like that he ends it by saying, you know, in, in, in a world of, you know, I don't remember exactly how he put it, a world of idealism or, idealism or something to that effect. Make sure, that, oh, sentimentalism. Make yes. sure that you in, stay in a, a cynic. In a very sentimental world, yeah. remember to stay truly cynical. It sounds like a yes. character, but was that actually him? Oh, very. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. We, we actually had that, had his closing uh statement put on his tombstone. Really? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, well, that's perfect. You, you can look, look him up on Find a Grave and mm -hmm. there he is. That's wonderful. So what, I mean, was that like, I think, I think that's the thing is like the American uh, perception of cynicism is, is a little, very different from what the English perception Quite. of cynicism is. So what was that to him? What was that, what was it, how was he a cynic? I honestly don't think he really was. Okay, okay. It was that that side of him was a little bit uh, put on for for the show. Sure, sure, sure. And and customers. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd he'd have given the shirt off his back to you mm -hmm. if it came down to it. Sure. But I mean, he was he was a great lover of. All things British, uh -huh. and so would wanted to promote what he thought was one of the best aspects of British culture, mm -hmm. which was the comedy. Yeah, especially at that period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were worlds ahead of what uh, was coming out of the U.S. For sure. Yeah. Stand up, uh, TV, radio. Was it a, was it a matter of? If you hung out with him, was he playing this stuff? Like, would he be like sit, sit you down and like, have you listen to a record or what? Or no? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. His brother, Colin, his youngest brother, would uh, ship over the latest shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like when uh, Cats opened in London. Mm -hmm. 
a week after the LP came out there, mm-hmm. Brian had it in the shop and was playing excerpts from it on the show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then every Sunday at dinner, <laughs> we'd hear the entire LP of Cats. Wow. And then Les Miserables. Uh-huh. You sort of grow to hate them. Right, no, all. I bet, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, after after the fifteenth uh, playing of it, yeah. mm-hmm. but so obsessed was he that it didn't matter. It, it no, I got mean, better with each play, probably. Yes. Wow. And uh, he would, uh, he had the skits memorized uh-huh. from the LPs. I mean, brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of sketches he could recite mm-hmm. was quite tremendous. Did he write or perform anything himself, comedy-wise? Uh, he he occasionally would do stand-up. Really? Just, you know, doing uh, sketches from the show. Really? Yes. I love it. I love it. And he, he could do the bricklayer story <laughs> as well as Hoffman. That's amazing. And then l- later on, one of the most popular, well, one of the most popular uh, sketches that was ever on the show was... Uh, what goes up might come down. Uh-huh. Which, I, don't know, I know that one. It was uh, done by a, a former uh, British uh, airport control okay. operator. Okay. <laughs> about all the <laughs> mishaps. Oh, God. Oh. Yes. Was, it started out on a cassette tape, and then uh, mm-hmm. I think it's now out on CD. Okay. One late night... Uh, DJ in, I think Cleveland mm-hmm. would play it. Oh, really? And then give uh, credit to Brian and the Continental Shop. That's so great. If you want to get this the recording of, oh, okay, that's called the Continental Shop <laughs> in Los Angeles. When I look, you and Edie go and I, and Frieda and I I'll go back and count out a twenty, and then we'll come and find you. See? Oh, all right then. Hey, come on, Lofty. I'll tell you what we'll do. We are back at camp, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I start counting? No. Well, aren't you interested in playing hide and seek then? No. You're more interested in something else, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. You got that look in your eye. Well, I'm only a helpless girl. I can't stop you. Well, now you've got your arm round me, what are you going to do? I'm going to lift you off that picnic hamper and have Lofty's individual fruit pie. I love them individual fruit pies, I do. Oh, Harry! Where, where else did the show play? It was just basically Los Angeles. Yeah, it was? Okay. It okay. Went, uh, when I first met him, he was doing it on uh, KFAC, mm-hmm. which at that time was the local classical music station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had started out in uh, Beverly Hills and uh, a few other stations mm-hmm. when, it, when it was easy to rent space, Yeah, especially on a Sunday morning when everybody was in church, Right, <laughs> <laughs> which in the 60s, 80% of the population was. Sure, sure. <laughs> So it's, uh, but as the LA market 
became so popular and radio stations were selling for $10 million. Oh, right. It got more and more expensive to rent the time. And okay. The stations were getting more and more obscure and mm -hmm. weaker signals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is, like, I, I don't, I would love to know, like, who heard the show in terms of, like, it was probably mostly English people listening, maybe, but I bet there were a I, lot of people were, for there whom... There were a lot of Americans. Yeah. Like, I bet he exposed a lot of people to some comedy that I take for granted. Oh, he did. Yeah. I, I remember, and over the years, we'd hear from customers who had, re I mean, one of them had recorded every single show wow. since he first heard the, heard it back sometime in the 60s. Yeah. And he was on Whittier. Mm hmm And when Brian left KFAC, which had a fairly strong signal, mm -hmm. he uh, built a radio tower in his backyard <laughs> just to get, <laughs> just to get the show. Yeah. But he had thousands yeah. of tapes. Oh. Do you know show. who that was? Do you have any I idea? I cannot remember his name. Oh, my God. Because that's the thing, too, is looking him up online, there's not enough information about him at mm. all, except I for mean, a few people, I mean, like, trying to find the shows, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, he was one of those rarities. He would do the show live. Mm-hmm. I mean, KFAC had a uh, an engineer mm -hmm. assigned to the show, Pablo Garcia, who's okay. still around. Mm-hmm. And still keep in contact with him, and Brian would just run the whole board himself. Paul <laughs> <laughs> would just sit there for the two hours and <laughs> have a coffee break. That's hilarious. <laughs> so he he knew all the ins and outs of the studio, and then after KFAC, uh, I think the next. The next station he could still do live. Uh-huh. And then after that, he was recording it at home. Uh-huh. He had, uh, he'd recorded on reel-to-reel -reel tape. Okay. And then downloaded onto cassette. Because mm -hmm. it was, the, the stations could play the cassette. Sure, sure. Easier than reel-to-reel. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so those, those tapes... Either the stations discarded, mm -hmm. or he re recorded over. Oh man, that is that is too bad. And, and it's it's it is it's it's interestingly regional for being L.A., but it's also of another region entirely, which mm -hmm. I think it's kind of great. It's a very specific type of show. Now, what, what do you know? Like what the interest was? Were they like, oh, you know what? Nobody's ever pitched this an English show. Like, do you have any idea like why they accepted it? I think it's a great idea for a show, but. It's, I would love I would love it now if somebody was doing this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, d I doubt if there's a week that goes by that somebody doesn't ask. Yeah. Whatever happened to the show? Mm -hmm. Or I know Brian's gone. Have you ever thought about? Right, right. <laughs> have right. I ever thought about resurrecting the show? Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's it's a lovely tribute to my dad. Yeah, yeah. But. Is it, it would be a difficult thing to start up again. For sure. No, it That's, would. It would. You could do it as a podcast, but that doesn't necessarily mean it would be easy. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> podcasts are not the easiest. Well, I, okay, I lie. The way I do it, yeah, they're pretty simple. But <laughs> do, do something like that where it's very carefully like mm -hmm. curated. 
uh, is uh, and, that's the thing. That's a and, lot of work. Other than the work, I mean, you have to make sure that whoever, whatever media one uses to broadcast, mm-hmm. has the proper licensing right and pays the fees yeah that's the hard thing too i was just thinking of the math of it like that's a lot of years to be doing to just be putting out like a clip show of of, Mm -hmm. of sorts you know um so now would he ever like do the same thing he did with a musical but with like a comedy album would he make anybody sit and listen to comedy once in a while or is that more of a thing for him do you think It it was more his thing yeah I mean, it's, because I mean, we we could always listen to the comedy albums. Sure, but sure. <laughs> okay. So he was when, when it was the it. when it was the musicals, you know, it was something new and different. Did he expose you to any like English stuff that you didn't already know about? I mean, I don't know what your exposure to English comedy was before you. Yeah, met I'd him. say so. I mean, I the goons were a little bit before my time, mm-hmm. so it's, got to hear those from him and. Uh, Tommy Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Frankie, Frankie Howard, uh, mm-hmm. Tony Hancock, mm-hmm. all the, the classic <laughs> right. TV shows. So, like you say, it was like uh, you called it like a vanity project. So this mm-hmm. would be, and this was a vanity press, like by definition, he had it printed up himself, right? Exactly. Do you know what the run was? Like how many he had printed up? Probably about, I think, the minimum he could have done was probably a thousand. Right, that's what I would have assumed. That would explain why they go for so much online. They're actually, yeah, you know, they're 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 not necessarily easy. I lucked out, like I said, I got this at a library sale for in a box for three dollars. You know, I got a three dollar box of records. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I, I just saw one uh, on Amazon for thirty five. Yeah, yeah. I was looking, I was looking too. I'm like. Wow, <laughs> that's great, and it's autographed. I did not mention it is offered. Auto- it is autographed by uh, the chief cynic, as he calls himself on this. Best wishes from the chief cynic, which I think is fantastic. Did it? Yeah, did I it think. Was... Uh, I think the autographed ones. The last time one I saw was in the seventy dollar range. Really, Jesus! <laughs> wow. Um, did he ever think about? Okay, did, I mean, did you do you know if he ever thought about either doing other editions of this or putting this on CD or anything like that? I, uh... He thought about CD, but mm-hmm. at that time he was winding down the the show because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he'd uh, developed uh, cancer in his throat. Okay, jeez. And with treatment, he did not feel that his voice was good enough for broadcast quality okay. anymore. Yeah. So it's and it was costing about forty eight thousand dollars a year <laughs> to rent one hour a week. Wow. That's a commitment. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. Like that is again, all we're doing yeah. is painting a picture of a, a committed. And I'm and when I say obsessive, I'm an obsessive, mm-hmm. so it's a compliment. Like I think, <laughs> like I think it's, I don't know, it's something incredibly admirable to just keep doing that every week if it means that much to you. You know, it's not just a nostalgia thing at that point either. It's, I mean, it was. I mean, it was it was an advertising output for the shop. For sure, sure. I mean. I mean it, I remember being at the shop on Sundays during the show, mm-hmm. and it'd be playing in the background, mm-hmm. and he would do an advertisement for travel. Uh-huh. And when he said, call the number, mm-hmm. 
to inquire about at that point we were running charter flights to mm -hmm. the UK during the summers and when he said call mm -hmm. the entire phone bank would light up wow and we'd have I think we had 10 or 12 lines at that point jeez and every single so line was on hold <laughs> wow while the agents could scroll through them and people held yeah yeah I bet I mean that's it's it's simultaneously this great like this work to like kind of chronicle here's here's some great pop culture or some great culture from England and also it's like hey by the way don't you <laughs> here's what you love about back home <laughs> and by the way you know how you can get back home exactly you know I mean there's eh, nothing wrong with that uh, some people might call it cynical but I think I, I think it's just smart it's <laughs> and, you know, it was, I mean he was a brilliant uh, advertising person yeah yeah sounds yes. like it and then the you know, when he was getting into travel, he uh, he, he was working for uh, one of the big travel operators back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. and so he'd take 50, 60 people down to Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Along with uh, one other agent. and That's They'd have a great time. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> or what, stories of... One woman who's come in several times since he's passed mm -hmm. was on a uh, trip that he did to the uh, Holy Land and uh, Middle East. Mm -hmm. And on that tour was Ann Miller. Really? <laughs> in all her glory back mm -hmm. in the probably late 60s. Mm -hmm. And, or maybe, maybe even into the 70s, not quite sure. But no matter where they were, she showed up 15 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly quaffed, made up. Of course, of course. <laughs> Dressed to the nines, never wore the same outfit twice. That's funny. And wow. Getting off the plane, she was always the last one. <laughs> descending the descending the stairs <laughs> while everyone waited. Of course, of course. Oh my god, that's perfect. About wow. ten pieces of luggage. Uh-huh. <laughs> now there are many families of title and a great position of esteem in the United Kingdom. Uh, one of them is the family of Lord Oxshott. You might not have heard of Lord Oxshott. Perhaps after this next recording you will have more respect for uh, this family of ancient title in Britain. Uh, yes, my name is Lord Oxshott. I shall never forget that day. It was a cold winter's night in the summer of 47. It had rained all day and I was bailing my room out. I worked fast, spooning the water into my drinking mug. A dear little thing with rabbits painted on it. My mother had given it to me on my 21st birthday. I wondered how she would take the news of my engagement. I know I must tell her soon, but I didn't want to upset her. And father, what would he say? How would I break it to them? I decided to go down to my father's study and tell him now, this very minute. I stood motionless outside of my father's study, listening. I was wondering whether to disturb him. He was reading, I could tell that by the snores. I knocked the door. Yes, yes, who's that? It's me. Oh, come in. 
Ah, Jeeves, I was just going to ring for you. Father, I'm not Jeeves, it's me, your son. Don't answer back, Jeeves. Go and tell my son I want to see him. Yes, father. Okay, so on here there are... Okay, we've got, yes, obviously it's a Mozart theme to the show. It's very peppy, mm-hmm. very peppy. Like. Uh, well, that was uh, one of uh, Flanders and Swans. Mm, okay, okay, uh, there you go. It was also used by, the the tune That's was smart. used by Flanders and Swan. Yeah. So it uh, did a double double duty. That's perfect. Um, then we've got Elizabethan Serenade. It, it had to be, the only one he would ever use was that recording, mm-hmm. with that specific That's trumpeter. Spe- <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I mean, a lot of people like now, I mean, if, if people are trying to sound English and funny, they'll, you know, you can you can use Monty Python's theme all you want, and people do still sometimes, which is, is weird to me, because it's like, no, that's that's that seems like the Monty Python theme to me. It's just so weird, you know? It's hard to hard to get around that. Um, yeah, I, I, what I'll do is I'll make sure and put clips in here. It's hard to comment, I think, on instrumental pieces, or on <laughs> these long, sort of majestic, very nice, uh, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he would only run so much of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then fade it out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the second you heard the trumpet go, uh-huh. I mean, you know, you were in for an hour of cynics' choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even to this day, if I if I'm playing a classical station and mm-hmm. they start, they're doing a Mozart. You <laughs> the expect that voice now. to come up any so second I, now, right? <laughs> That's funny. You know, I was actually, in listening to it, I was also listening specifically for accent, and I could not pick his accent out. It was a cultured voice Mm -hmm. that in Britain, they tweaked the radio announcers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a sort of BBC standard. Sure, okay. Which was slightly more proper than the Queen. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No offense to the Queen. Sure, sure. uh, (laughs) It at that time it was announcer standard where it wasn't quite you couldn't quite place it mm-hmm. in Britain. Yeah, yeah. Except definitely not Wales or Scotland. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely somewhere in southern England. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. But uh I'm trying okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, would, I I mean I listened to his brother. Mm-hmm. And it's similar, mm-hmm. but not. You can still hear the regionalism. Right, right, right. Is it's, do you know? I mean, going back, was there any entertainment in his family, or why? Do you know why radio uh, was so important to him? His mother had done some performing mm-hmm. when it wasn't particularly considered. Proper sure, sure. For a young late Victorian lady to mm-hmm. <laughs> to do it, but uh, she always had a little saucy side to her. Uh huh. <laughs> it was great fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, he got it from her. Uh huh. Seems to be the way. It's yes. not uncommon. No. Charlie Chaplin, same thing. True. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, you know what I, I uh, what it would be good to do is uh, if if people haven't heard this album, first of all, you're probably not going to be able to find it, and that's not me bragging. It's just saying it's going to be very difficult for you to find. But I can at least put the track listing up, and I will definitely put clips in the album. 
Um, but if people can somehow get their hands on this, what would be, what would you, what's, is this like, a, do you think this is a good snapshot of like the English mindset in Los Angeles in 1971? Does that seem accurate? What do you think? Fairly, fairly accurate for the period. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he'd been able to do more, I know that there would be a lot of other acts that he would have included. Yeah, yeah. Anna Russell. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the the immortal Wagner sketch, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, Joy, Joyce Grenfell, uh, there were there were so many, yeah. That, that he you always knew which ones were his favorites mm-hmm. because it was like every spring there'd be this Joyce Grenfell hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. With all of her little school children. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> then another little song about uh, spring is springing with little boys' pimples popping. You know, was, uh, <laughs> I've been trying to find that album for years, <laughs> ever since. And he, even when he was alive, he couldn't remember which one oh, it was. Really? On. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and then there were the uh, the talented sheep. What is that? I don't know that. Oh, they were the singing sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and you would just hear this buying of a tune. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like you start thinking about it and you're listening to it and you're laughing for the next half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uncontrollably. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that, there, there were so many great shows. Mm-hmm. He, uh, when uh, the Christmas at the Music Center in Los Angeles started, mm-hmm. he volunteered his time to host it. Really? Okay. And he did that for like a good 10, 15 years mm-hmm. all by himself until uh, Han uh, retired because mm-hmm. Han had uh, started it mm-hmm. and when Han left all the people who'd been producing it, directing it just sort of all got pushed out. Oh, okay, okay. It, then it was everyone would get ten minutes to host, and you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of, yeah, okay, now nah, we don't want you anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> all the egos started getting into play. Sure, and that's how it happens. Oh. Over one one year, some act had a catastrophe, and their they couldn't get their risers to stay together, mm-hmm. and so he was. Alone, covering dead air for about 40 minutes. Oh, wow. On TV. Doing just continuous banter. Oh, my God. Doing sketches (laughs) from the show. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, I like that he had that ammo. Just, I mean, how many other people could you find... Sure. Who would be able to cover 
that much dead time. It's a dead air. Oh my god, that's so crazy. Ricky Gervais, yes. Sure, maybe, maybe, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all saw that when that. at the uh, Diana tribute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. They <laughs> wow. would uh, for KCET the at that time local PBS station. Mm-hmm. They in the sixties and seventies they'd have an auction to support their fundraising yeah yeah and he would volunteer time to that to auction items for a couple of hours Mm -hmm. and so he was always front and center in supporting the british community yeah i remember he helped organize a huge fundraiser down at the king's head uh, pub Mm -hmm. for terry thomas oh really when he was broke Mm-hmm. And you know, quite quite ill. Okay. And they raised uh, something like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars mm-hmm. for Terry. And when they sent it to him, his wife took the money and ran. Oh, oh my God! Oh yep. wow! So they organized a second. <laughs> Jeez. The second one and uh, got him more money. Wow! At least, it, at least it went to Terry Thomas that time. Right, right. I didn't know that he. I, I guess it makes sense. So he lived here, Terry Thomas did. Or did, no, 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 no. He just. He, I mean, he, he just. He, he was, was just doing he was the right a, thing. <laughs> he was a major figure in sure. British comedy, and so he knew about obviously. it. So Brian knew about it, and he just said, Let's take care it, of it. And, wow! I mean, he had worked here in Hollywood. Sure, yeah. So I think Brian, of course, would would have known him. Sure, yeah, that's so crazy. I mean, that's, that's incredibly generous. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also generous, of course, of the people who probably regave the same yes. amount of money. Uh, I feel like you know when we talk about albums on on the show, it's usually something that you can access. And I feel like in this case, it might be more of a like, I want to do a call to people if you have recordings of these shows <laughs> it would be great if an archive existed it would be you yes. know and i would be happy to help organize that and hope because it's it's not dissimilar to what i'm doing i'm just you know i get to ramble on for an hour with a guest you know and then talk about an album whereas he got he, you know he could put up more clips than i would do i obviously <laughs> don't want to get in trouble for putting any clips i don't have a radio <laughs> station so but I, I think it would be great to at the very least ask people out there if you're listening to this if you know anybody who will listen to the show or you listen to it yourself it would be real just get in contact with me uh, and then any information I find out I'll obviously pass on to you because I'm sure you would be I'd interested be too because very yeah and I think I only have well, I have a CD that one customer had made really and of a show mm-hmm. and then I do have the last show Still on reel to reel. Really? Wow. If I could figure out how to work the reel to reel and connect it to. <laughs> I, I do know somebody to, who's very good at that stereo stuff. system. So you let but, me know, but I, okay. I know an archivist who does all this stuff daily. Because uh, I would actually love to hear any shows. Because like, a full show would be fun. Nobody's posted even a single full show online. No, you know, and it's 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 impossible to find. But um, if you can find the best of Cynic's Choice by Brian Kluwer, listen to it. Uh, tell me you found it. Um, let's uh, let's make sure to tell people where they can find the Continental Shop, either online or in person. Oh, the Continental Shop is at sixteen nineteen Wilshire Boulevard, Santa Monica, California. 
telephone number is 310-453-8655. All right. And the website is? website is www.thecontinentalshop.com. Easy enough. Easy enough. <laughs> well, th- first of all, thank you so much oh, for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank this is, you. This is a lot of fun to talk about, and I, I'm going to make this at least a at least temporarily I'm going to make this one of my little missions because I want to find some people <laughs> I want to find some people who've heard I just want to hear the show it's my curiosity this is purely you know selfish of me but I want to hear some shows uh, yes. thank you guys for listening very much and as always have a good thing Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Port Awesome, a news radio podcast. I, this is Jason again. I host the well-reputed... Reputed. This is Alan. Reputed. Comedy on Vinyl podcast, as well as some others. Alan, though. I've been on some podcasts, also I'm an actor, and have been for nigh on several years. The important part, though, is that while we're close friends, we found a bond when we discovered that we both loved the greatest sitcom of the 90s. Possibly of all time. I won't refute that. The podcast will go through the entire series, from episode one to episode 97. We'll be talking with other fans of the show, people who worked on the show, and you. That's right. You can email your questions about the show, and I'm not kidding here, to freakzilla at scopenet.com. Ah. That's right. We'll either try to get the answers for you ourselves or direct from the people who put the show together. It's a dream come true. You can also call and leave a voicemail for us at 646-801-WNYX. If it's relevant or funny or even stupid, as long as it's news radio related, you have a good chance of it getting played on the show. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. All of this talk of aged lunch making ghosts has made me peckish. Equally dumb closing quote. God damn it, Alan. Sorry. Oh, that's in parentheses. I shouldn't have actually said that. Please subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio. (laughs) 